Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. How's it going? Joe McCall here, your homeboy. Glad you guys are here. I'm excited about this little podcast series that I'm doing. It's called Deals Gone Bad. And this is the seventh one, I think, that I'm going to be doing here. And I still got 10 or 12 more lined up. And a few weeks ago, or a week ago, I put it on Facebook. Who would be interested in talking about their bad deals? And we've all got them, right? And a ton of people raised their hands. And I hand-selected several people that I trust, that I like, and I knew would have something really valuable to share. Not so we can like, it's not, I'm not trying to spread gossip or you know how bad news always sells, right? Especially in this election cycle that we're in right now, which thank God it's done. To, it's over today, today's election as I'm actually recording this. But so I'm not trying to, uh, what, what's the word, you know, hyper Hollywoodize or whatever. But we don't, we're not looking at the bad news of other people to look down our noses on them. But we're doing this to help you guys learn from the mistakes that others people have made, right? And so we've all made mistakes. If you've been in the business long enough, you've made mistakes, you've done, you had bad deals, or you you didn't do anything wrong necessarily, but something came around out of nowhere and smacked you across the head, something that you weren't prepared for. So the goal of this podcast series is to give you the lessons learned so you can avoid these same mistakes as well. And so this series is called Deals Gone Bad. And if you want, I've been keeping together all of my notes and the lessons learned. And my assistant, Dana, has been keeping notes as well, putting them in this mind map. We're going to be including in this mind map a link to all of the other interviews that we've done, the transcripts for these shows, and a detailed bullet points of the top lessons learned from each of our guests. And if you want that mind map, you can get it by texting the word BAD to 313131 or go to slash BAD. Again, text the word BAD to 313131 or go to slash BAD to get the notes and to, to see the recaps of all of the lessons learned. I guarantee you guys, if you pay attention to this series of podcasts that we're doing, it will probably literally save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's why I'm, I'm glad to be doing this for you. And um, today's guest is a good friend of mine, and his name is Todd Toback. Todd Toback, we go way back. Um, we one of my first mentors. And we became good friends over the years. I bought his course called Lease Purchase Wealth. And of course, you would have a coffee cup that says <laughs> coffees for closers. Todd is a beast when it comes to sales and talking to sellers, negotiating with sellers, negotiating huge deals. But anyway, I, I heard about Todd way back in 2007 or eight, And uh, he had a course called Lease Purchase Wealth. And I bought the course and I, one of the bonuses was I got to schedule a call with him and I talked to him and I remember exactly where I was. I was in the middle of nowhere in this job that I hated in, in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, uh, working on a power plant, eating dinner at this hole in the wall restaurant, literally middle of nowhere, Illinois. And uh, I had a call with Todd from my car and I was talking to him and I said, Todd, be honest with me. Tell me the truth. Can you really make money in this business? Can you really actually make money in the business? He said, yeah. 
of course. And and just that little answer totally flipped the switch for me. And I thought, okay, I believe him. I believe him. Like if Todd can do it, I can do it. And so then over the years, we kind of became friends and and the rest is history. And Todd, thanks for being on the show, man. Again, I've had you on, I think two or three times before. Did you know that? Yeah, I think gee, probably more than that. But uh, I'm really thankful to be here, Joe. And I'm excited to share my experience. And if you're listening to this and you've never done a deal, hey, guess what? You can do it, right? You can. And so, Joe, I think this is a great idea for a series. I think you're really, really good at creating stuff that your listeners you know, want to hear. So if you're watching this live on Facebook, definitely subscribe to Joe's podcast. Just phenomenal, phenomenal content, Joe. Love you and uh, love your content. So let's rock and roll. Thanks, man. And you have a podcast yourself, don't you? Or a YouTube channel, Instagram, where are you? Yeah, at? You, you can catch me on the No Limits Real Estate Investing Podcast. We'll publish content every now and then. And if you want to go check out our site, we have another one called nextlevelwholesaling.com. If you're looking to grow your wholesaling business and you're tired of being a one-man operation, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit actually about how this deal turned bad because I was a, a kind of a one man operation at the time. And so sometimes you think you're saving money, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're, oh, that's so true. And listen to this. Todd was the guy who told me years ago, my assistant, Dana, who's been working with me. Sorry, Dana, I don't know this. Seven years or something. She And she's the one doing these notes, helping me with the notes for this mind map, by the way. So hi, Dana. Everyone say hi to Dana. It was Todd who encouraged me to hire her. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my business. Dana's been amazing. And Todd, you remember you had a local assistant and we were talking and you were saying, because I was all about hiring virtual assistants. And uh, you said, no, Joe, hire a local assistant. And I was so nervous about it because it's more expensive to hire a local assistant, right? But uh, taking your advice, hiring Dana, my income, my productivity tripped practically overnight mm -hmm. just by having somebody that was smart and intelligent and you know could really help me grow the business and so I could focus on things that... So that was a huge pivot, a changing point in my business. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Do you remember? And it was shortly after that that you fired your local assistant, or she called. No, 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 no. no. I, I, but I, yeah, I think the biggest thing to take away with that is you've got to work with really, really good people, and you shouldn't tolerate mediocrity. And in turn, right, conversely, is when you have good people, you've got to invest in them. Right, you've got to set them up for success. You've got to set expectations. You got to put it in writing. You got to do the painful stuff so that you can actually set yourself free. Because getting ready and prepping and training, we hate doing it, but actually, it's the very thing that will get us out of the stuff that we hate. But this podcast is actually not about that. It's about good deals gone bad and uh, how to avoid it. So let's talk about that, Todd. So you've been in the business a long time, probably fourteen, fifteen years now. Yes. Uh, no. Jeez. 2002 was my first real estate deal. So now it's 18 years. I keep on saying I've been in the business years. for 10 years. I know. You were right? selling Viagra or something like that before this? Yeah, I was selling Viagra for uh, Pfizer, which was a, a, a total easy. blessing. You know, it wasn't easy because you got to compete with everybody else, right? So Pfizer was smart, right? You, you don't get paid on, on just selling a drug that people want to take, right? You, you have to compete against other people, but they understood to go back to our last point on how to train people. I mean, you know, they had different phases of training phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, phase, phase five, phase six. And I used to go away for a week and they made us role play and they had a videotaped us on camera talking to doctors and they were always constantly evaluating us with performance evaluations. And sales was a really, really, really big part of what we did. They never let you rest mm. on your laurels. And that's where that, in, that gave me that gene, right? Because I was not a natural born salesperson. I'm actually kind of naturally introverted. I don't um, believe that for you know, but, but well, it's true, right? And so <laughs> the time and energy and the resources they put into you is just changed me forever. 
And Which so, goes to say, like, you're right. I mean, you do you are a little introverted. But even if anybody listening to this, if you are a little introverted too, you can be a sales beast if you learn the right skill set. And it's something mm-hmm. that you really need to learn. It doesn't come naturally. It's not something you're born with. You can learn how to sell. And sales is the million-dollar skill in this business. All right. I was, I was saying easy because I thought you were going to say a joke about Viagra. I was. I've dropped him a few times, but I, I figured uh, I'd, I'd spare us today. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> All right. So... Um, Let's talk about this bad deal. How long ago was this? So this deal was back in 2012, and it's very relevant for today. Mm-hmm. And what happened was in 2012, I was doing some coming out of doing some lease options, and you know the market was turning, and I started to do more wholesaling. And so one of the things that I've I'd always done early on in my career was I'd done talks. And so I'd done a talk at an escrow company, just telling them that I was looking for deals, right? And I was a one-man shop. I'd gone to uh, Sprouts and I picked up some sandwiches and they were five bucks each. And uh, I brought them in for like 13 people. So my total outlay was like 64 bucks for some sodas and some sandwiches. And I just did uh, you know, a 45-minute talk on how I could save the escrow company's deals that were falling out of escrow, right? So if you guys have something falling apart, give me a call. I'll keep the money in-house and I'll get the deal closed, right? And so I did the talk and it was a little seed that you plant, right? And for, so for me, because I knew that sales was so important, again, not a natural learn, learn skill, but I knew that it was the highest paid at the time. This was me planting a seed at, at that time. And so it's really, really important that if you're new to this business, that you are telling people what you do, especially the influencers like the real estate agents and the escrow or title companies. And so lo and behold, about six days later, I get a call and says, hey, we've got a deal falling out of escrow. Let me give you the lady's name. Her name is Victoria. She's the real estate agent and she is desperately trying to save this thing. And this is in San Diego too. Very this is in San Diego. Yeah. yeah, this is in San Diego. So Victoria calls me up. She goes, I've got this deal right now. This house is worth $550,000 and you could buy it for $180,000. And this and is 2012? Like, this is, this is 2012. 2012. Yeah. And I'm like, what? You know, like something ain't right, you know? <laughs> and she's like, you can. She's like, here's the scoop. The house is right next to this property that used to be kind of a landfill, but not really. And the, the house is fine. It's beautiful, but it's just, there's some county restrictions there because the house used to be, you know, in a landfill. And you know how California are, you know, they're just like crazy with the regulations and it's a big nothing. And so I did some homework. I talked to the seller and she goes, and the other thing is that you can't get financing on this house. Can't get financing. So I go down there and I find out and I talk to the seller. He's like, well, he's like, actually, he's like, I'm suing the city because they knew about this and I can't sell my property and I'm totally upside down. So the seller owed $700,000 on this house. He goes, I'm suing the city. And long story short, they've agreed to take 180K and pay off my mortgage and basically do a short sale. So if you're confused, just know that the city agreed to pay the seller a bunch of money to get him out of the deal because of this supposed garbage dump, right? Which was a big nothing. I can tell you that right now. Well, the only reason the house couldn't get financing, because I saw, I looked in the public record, it had got financing before, right? And so this is the first lesson is that I knew that the seller had sued the city. And if you're just watching this, if there's a lawsuit involving a property, you can't get alone, right? Has nothing to do with the property, but it's something called a list pendants. So a list pendants was on the property. And so that's the only reason why we couldn't get financing. So I looked at it. I said, you know, this is a smoking deal. I knew that I could run it out for 2,700 bucks a month. I could buy it for 180. And I'm like, man, this is a great deal. How much could you rent it for? 
at least $2,600 a month. So you're thinking if I can't sell it, resell it, I can at least just rent it and hold it forever. I could just rent it. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, what if my money gets tied up in this thing? And I was coming out of the crash, you know, and I didn't want to lay all my cash in this thing, even though I got it for free. I'm not even sure I had the money at the time, right? I probably didn't. And so I basically called up a money partner of mine and I said, hey, I've got this great deal, right? Look at it. I told him everything. I said, I can't get financing. No one thinks you can get financing because of this supposedly garbage dump, and which was nothing, right? I mean, the, if I could show you the property, Joe, it was beautiful. It had horse corrals and views. And, you know, a house was built in like 2009, by the way, because a fire had rolled through there. I mean, it was like almost like something is off. Is this like by Rancho San Diego, kind of in the east? No, this is right off the eight in, um, in El Cajon and Blossom Valley, kind of yeah. like Alpine ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, just gorgeous. And so I said, look, this is the scoop. I think we can get financing. I know that as soon as we buy it, the lawsuit will be settled, right? And we could refinance it right away. And so I, I said, look, worst case scenario, if we're wrong about this, we're stuck with this property. You put your $180,000 here and we're stuck with it for a rental for the rest of our lives. So we kind of laid out the 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 scenario there. You had well, multiple exit strategies, which is good. It's one of the lessons we've talked strategy. about in this. Hey, but we're looking at 325 can equity from day one, right? If we can sell it, that's the bet, right? So I didn't have a cent of my own money. I got my private investors on board. We agreed to split everything above that 180. If we got stuck with it, we said, we'll split the cash flow. And long story short, we bought the deal and lawsuit went away and we just rented it and we sat. Now, here's where the deal went bad. is I was managing the rental properties at the time, okay? So we had one tenant at the time. I lease options the property, first set, right? Lease option the property and I collected some option money. They didn't exercise their option. We got to keep the option money, so that was great. We made you know some money on that, right? That's not where this deal went bad. The second part though was then I said, you know what? I'm going to rent out this property. And again, this is in 2012. And I said, I don't wanna pay the management company a full month's rent to find somebody. So I'm going to do it myself. So put an ad out in the Craigslist at the time, because that was the place where you found tenants, found a tenant. And I kind of rushed through that process. And then I found a management company and I just threw it all this. Okay. Rent to these guys. Don't charge me that first month. Here you go. And rent it out. Were you doing Uh, a lease option or just a straight, normal, boring uh, rental? This is just a straight rental, just a straight rental. And it's funny because they had saw my ad from the previous lease option buyer, right? Somehow they'd Googled the property and saw it. And they had, you know, brought this up and I was like, no, we're just renting it because now we saw property values were starting to go up. Okay. Well, long story short, we put these tenants in and I kind of got them involved halfway. Now, if you're, if you're a, uh, an investor or a business owner in general, and you want to really empower your team, right? You want to let them own the entire process. Bad things happen when you kind of get them involved in the middle of stuff, right? In the middle of a project and it's like a storm. And that's what kind of happened here. So the management company took over and these tenants were troubled. So they, uh, we got them in the property and they were paying every single month. Property value started to increase. And they said, hey, do you want to buy, can we buy the property from you? They approached me. uh, And by the way, I'm still now kind of dealing with them because they had my phone number, right? When I, when I met them. So they called me and said, hey, you know, we want to buy the property. And I said, okay. I said, here's the price. They said, how much? I said, 680. Right. Cause now the property value started to go up and they're like, Hey, that's completely unfair. We saw that you paid 180 on the records and we know that this place is next to a, a toxic waste dump. Right. And all of a sudden I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> right. You know, that is, they, they, they dropped, they dropped that. And by the way, it was in the lease, but they just kind of dropped that. And I knew that once I heard that where this was going. Right. So mm-hmm. long story short, I got a feeling that they were 
going to try to use this in some way to try to get us down on the property, even though it was disclosed. So long story. You, you did disclose this in the lease? Yeah, I disclosed it. Yeah, I disclosed Which, it. Did you have to do that, do you think? Yeah, I did have to do that because that was part of the lawsuit settlement, right? But, but in, in California, though, even on a lease, are you required to do a seller's disclosure statement? No, 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 no. No, not to, not to my knowledge. So anyway, you know, this was had nothing to do with the laws, right? This had everything to do with my interaction with the tenants and setting expectations, right? Because, you know, long story short, you know, me dealing with that tenant, right? It got, it, you know, it, it just got personal at, at that point, right? And so I recommend, look, if you are a landlord or an owner of property, you should be never dealing with tenants. Whatever you think you are saving, you are losing <laughs> by multiple times. Long story short, uh, they still had like another year on their lease, right? Well, I'm sorry. They, they Actually, they called me at the end of that lease. So what happened was, and this goes back to doing things yourself. At the end of that lease, I gave them a 30-day notice, right? And somehow, I don't know how, but I got involved in the management company. This is such an amateur move. And I sent them a 30-day notice to move. But I did it through click-to-mail, okay? Now, click-to-mail, you know, sends United States Postal Service, right? But it's called click-to-mail. They didn't move out. So long story short, they didn't move out at the end of the lease. And the the, the property management company, somehow, I, I, I don't even remember this scenario, but I was involved in the eviction. The property management company wasn't, right? That wasn't part of their service. And I knew that the, these people were like, very serious about trying to extort us for the money. So we'd go to court and I'm there personally. And the judge is like probably in his late seventies and I'm there and I'm, you know, I'm dealing with it and I'm probably, I'm so confident I'm going to win. Right. But the judge says at the end, he's like, this is a tough one. He's saying he never got the notice to move. And I'm saying I'm sending it, sending it. And the judge goes, well, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And he looks at the, you know, the seller about him asking me to, to buy the property and not moving out and not getting the, the notice, the, the notice. Right. But the judge says, he goes, I don't believe in coincidences. And I thought I was going to win. He goes like this. He goes, mm. he goes, well, he goes, click to mail. He goes, what is that? I go, that's a service you use to send mail, right? He goes, well, it's not United States Postal Service. He's like, that's how you have to send it. He goes, the tenant's not evicted. So long story short, holy smokes. In the lease, it was that if I didn't give you notice, the lease renewed for another year. So now I'm stuck with these guys for another year. They have to pay. Click to mail uses the postal service. Well, this is the point, right? So at the end of the day, this should have been sent by certified mail, should have been sent, you know, delivery in person. But because I got involved in that beginning, not worrying about my true skill, right? Which is locking up sale, uh, locking up deals, right? And now growing businesses, now I got involved in the weeds. And this one mistake has cost me thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. This story gets crazier. <laughs> oh no, here we so go. So now I'm stuck with these people for another year because that automatic renewal clause, right, Joe? Right. And so, you know, the, and if I can't emphasize this enough, look, do what you do best, right? And that is selling, locking up deals and empowering other people because that's what you do. And this cost me a lot of brain damage. So I had to deal with them for another year. And I know for a year they are prepping to sue me. So now I get the real attorney involved. Okay. I get the real attorney involved. And my are they uh, paying rent during this year? They're paying rent, right? Because they they want want out, right? And so I know that they're plotting, and they start sending us these notice, all kinds of notices for requests for repairs. You know, like long, long, long lists to make this look retaliatory, right? So we keep going and sending out repair people out there while we're collecting rent. Long story short, we give them you know a bunch of notices to move. We serve them in person. We we you know post it. We send it you know U.S. Postal Service. I mean, they've got everything, right? But we know we're preparing for a fight. So we now get in a full-blown loss. Uh, we, we file an eviction and uh, they come back with a counterclaim, file a list pendants against the property. 
property and start now claiming that the property is toxic and that their family is getting sick because of this. But in the same thing, they say that they have a right to buy the property. They want to buy a toxic property. Correct. So we poisoned them. But at the same thing, they said that we promised to sell them the property, right? Obviously makes no sense. But you never right? you never had in writing that you would sell them the property, right? Correct. But this is something that I want to go back to. I don't care what state you're in. In any state in the union, you are allowed to state your case. It doesn't matter how right you are or how wrong you are. Right. If someone wants to drag this out and say that you promised to sell them a property, right? If they're willing to fight in court and spend that money, you're going to have to spend the money to fight them. That's just the way it is, right? And I don't care what the law says because everyone's like, oh, crazy California. No. So you got to hear how this went. So long story short, this is not in the regular eviction case. They rolled it because they were saying that we promised to sell it to them. Full-blown lawsuit, okay? So now I have to get the real attorney involved. And long story short, in $68,000 later, okay, obviously the whole court case was ridiculous, but it took it took a, a bunch of money, a bunch of prep work, a full five-day trial, if you can believe this, right? $68,000 it cost you in legal fees? In legal fees, yeah. A five-day court trial? Yeah, but there's a bunch of prep and a bunch of back and forth, and there's something called discovery, well, all yeah. because I wanted to save a bunch of money or a little bit of money on some management fees. Now, obviously, this could have gone bad, but I'm telling you, it's because... That one action that I took, right, not focusing on my core ability, right, which is locking up deals, right, and trying to save a few bucks may have caused this. And so um, long story short, the last day, the judge says, look, you know, this is all about you wanting to buy the property. This has nothing to do with XYZ, right? Boom, you win. You owe him $68,000 plus fees, yada, 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 right? So the, the judge ruled in favor of you. Yeah. And they they told the losing plaintiffs, the tenants, they have to pay you for all your legal fees. They and they leave the house. house. And they'll leave the house, right? Well, you know, all that other stuff, right? But 68 grand. But this took me a lot of time. My partners were there with me, you know, and it's just a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of stress, right? And so this smoking deal obviously, you know, causes now we got a judgment. That's thing still collecting interest, you know, on there. Long story short, they owe us over a hundred grand. I don't know if I'll ever collect it, right? But I'm not really worried about that, right? The the interesting thing is we got the property vacant, we fixed it up a little bit. Long story short, we sold that sucker for six hundred and eighty thousand dollars, right? So you did sell it. We sold it six eighty minus six eighty minus one eighty, right? You you do the math, right? So minus our legal fees, hey, we made a cool three hundred thousand dollars on that. By the way, that was all mine. I got to keep every cent of that. We had another property today, so I gave them the equity in that in that property. And so long story short, it was still, it was a good deal. It went bad, but guess what? It went good again. It went good again. <laughs> it went good again. But I tell you, man, it was a battle. It was, it, it was a battle. And I'm telling you that it really, really cost me not focusing on my core competency, right? On, on what made me money. A lot of lessons learned here. I want to first, lot, we are doing this live on YouTube and Facebook and Periscope. And look who just joined us here, Todd. Uh, Michael, Buckles. Guy, Michael, I, I, Buckles. Michael Buckles bought my, bought my course when he was living in his car. I loved it. Quick turn leasing. No, that, How you that, doing, that, Mike? That's a lease purchase wealth system. Did he buy lease purchase wealth too? Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike bought everything we have. Okay. He's a beast, total beast. I Well, I remember Mike from the um, Quick Turn Leasing course. Yes. And good to hear from you, Mike. Hope you're doing well. And that's on Periscope. Can you believe that? Uh, Vamsi here says Todd is a superstar and hugely motivational. And he also says here, here Todd Toback is the grandfather of Wholesaling Inc. <laughs> did, you, did you know that? You're the grandfather of <laughs> Wholesaling Inc.? By the way, is the, um, and hey, Kyle, how you doing, man? So somebody, um, do you still have the old episodes of the No Limits podcast online anywhere? Uh-huh. 
Can people still get the uh, Do or Die series? That you yeah, those are, those are on there. Oh, man. How can people get those podcasts? Those were really, oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, if you want to try the No Limits podcast, it's still up there. iTunes took it down because it got hacked, but it's back up again. We lost all the reviews, by the way. So if you want to go up there and, uh, and, and leave all the reviews on there, but all the old content is still up there and there's some new content, actually. So I'm going to ask my assistant here, get the links to the Do or Die series of Todd's podcast. No Limits Real Estate, right? Mm -hmm. I tell you guys, those, I remember Todd calling me once and saying, have you ever, do you have any advice for like getting a family member started in real estate or something like that? I forget what it was. And your brother was getting started in real estate. Well, just lost his job or something. Is that right? He had sold his company and kind of um, just looking for the next thing, you know, and you just kind of rot. You know, okay. he was there and then they finally let him go because he wasn't into it, you know, and he, and he waited too long and he lost everything. Right. And then made a huge comeback at one point because I was trying to get him involved for years. Yeah. Uh, but he had, didn't have a big why. Right. I think this is for all of us. And so uh, once obviously uh, he had a big why that changed everything and that changes everything for everybody. So he, Todd and Tom documented this process as they went through it, documented it's called a do or die series and got Todd was coaching and mentoring Tom to get started. And it was just really inspirational. I'd encourage you guys to go check that out. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Some of the lessons learned here, Todd, if you were to go back, what would you have done differently next time? I think you already talked about it. You would have you know, find a property manager to do this. Yeah, you know, I, I would have had a property manager. Whatever you think you're saving, you're not. Right. And so, uh, you know, number one, have a property manager. You are not in the property management business, right? You want people who are much better than you and stronger than you at this, right? And so do that huge, huge, huge learning lesson. Number two, though, is that I've done many deals like that, right? There are big deals out there. The big deals are game changers. If you're out there trying to do in three, five, three, five, seven thousand dollar wholesale deals out there, look, you know, you can post your check on Facebook and I will high five you. I want to congratulate you in doing that, but that will not, uh, that will not really move the needle for you long term, right? You've got to be doing big deals, those big home runs, in addition to some singles, right? To go out there and, you know, you do that. If you want to know more about that, do you mind if I drop a link here, Joe? Yeah, you're fine. I'll type it in here. If you want to know more about my No Limit Selling System, and this is where I teach how to get big deals, go to nolimitsalesystem.com forward slash backdoor, nolimitsalesystem.com forward slash backdoor. And Joe, anyone who buys that, that's my No Limit Selling System, I will actually give to just your viewers. Right, they have to tell us that they they sent it in the email. A copy of my lease purchase wealth system that you bought. Yes, I think for five ninety seven. Also, no, I paid well, more than that. You did, did you? Yeah, it's probably either, thousand back then. I'm trying. I've been trying to remember. I need to look at my receipts, but like it was either a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks. Probably, it may, it may, yeah, it was probably when it first came out. Right, so I will give that to you for free if you purchase the no limit sales system. And I'm telling you, that's the one thing that I can tell you uh, changed me when I really realized that this was about talking to sellers and negotiating big deals. It's, is this is this the right link here? No limits. Salesystem.com. Yeah. System. Forward slash backdoor. So, you know, that's the other part about it. But the, the third thing is, you know, if you really are going to focus on your core competencies, you got to start thinking like a business owner, right? And I can tell you that, you know, delegation is going to be really, really, really important for you as you go. Again, when you, when you think you're saving money or you can't afford it, you're going to have to have some courage to do that. And so you're in this, when, you, when you're a one-man show and you're doing everything yourself, you're in this like sea of information. You don't even realize the stuff that goes on in your business. And sometimes you're like, I can't afford this person or I'm not sure what I do. And I can tell you that it's a complete game changer. I got an assessment too that people can take if they want. They can also go to nextlevelwholesaling.com and take an assessment of where they're at, right? Where they're at in their business and rate themselves in the four core areas of the business between acquisition, disposition, marketing, and accounting. But the, you know, the, the, the last part of that is don't be scared to work with other people, 
right? And, and invest in them and uh, set proper expectations. Because once you do, right, you're going to be able to focus on those big deals and really get those needle moving paychecks. Good, good. Well, you've answered my all of my questions. You know, what are you going to do differently next time? How could you have avoided this? What's the biggest lesson you took away from this? What advice would you give to a beginner? You've, you've already kind of answered all of that. Let me just ask you going forward, Todd, like, how can people protect themselves if they if they do these big deals? You know, uh, the market's starting to shift again. We'll see if we think it is. But like, wh- what do you see coming down the pipe in the next one or two years? And how can people best prepare themselves for it? The changes coming to the market. Man, here's what I can tell you, man. And, and Joe, I don't know if this is going to be popular, but the answer is I don't know. Right. There are certain people who we know, Joe, who always say the market's going down. Right. And so I'm to think of one person individual in, in particular, and he's been saying, you know, influencer, he's been saying the market's been is gonna go down since 2013, right? And so that's seven years straight. And I'll tell you what, if you've if as long as you stay consistent, you'll eventually be right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, we, we've had a long run, but interest rates are really low. There's a lot of demand. Inventory is just not there. Right. Look, I wish there was a crash so that we could buy some more deals, but on the ground, I'm not seeing it. So that's, that's kind of what I see today, right? Some people thought we thought COVID is going to change everything. You know, we had a, a slew of great deals during COVID that we got. They're, they're, they're smoking and we're still doing deals today, but you know, I just don't, I don't see anything. So for me, I, I take a look at this. Look, go out there and generate leads every day. Generate leads every single day and start talking to people and convert some. I think that's the most important lesson you've said yeah. all this whole podcast. You know, and so that, that's business simple, right? Is generate your leads, close them and do the right disposition. And if you focus on that, you'll make money in any market. The one thing, the market that we're in right now, because inventory is so tight, you can sell stuff for, for, for a lot more to investors. You know, you can sell stuff for a lot more and there's advantage to a hot market. Um, Go out there and just make it happen, right? But going back to protecting yourself, you know, this whole garbage dump thing. Look, I would have done that deal again a hundred times over. Had nothing to do with the garbage dump, right? Had everything to do because uh, there was a big deal and someone wanted a piece of it, right? That You know, someone wanted a piece of it. So look, if, no one's going to fight over 10 grand. No one's going to start a court case over 10 grand. And so don't worry. If you're out there trying to do 10 grand K deals, I don't think you need to worry, right? Because no one's going to fight over that. But when you do bigger deals, just know that sometimes someone's going to want a piece of you. Good part about it is, hey, you'll be able to afford a fight if you have it. Now, if you can avoid a fight, even better. And again, I'm going to take the, the fault on that one in that uh, it just goes back to some, you know, somewhere along the line, administration fell between the cracks. And now I'm going to focus on my core competency. Very good. Focus on your core competencies. Do you mind? We have a, just a minute or two for a couple questions that are coming in here. Yeah, let's go. Corey Rogers. What's up, Corey? How do you guys do lead generation? Outbound, what's your favorite right now for lead generation? And by the way, he also he followed up with this. Cold calling has been brutal at times lately. Go ahead. Oh, come on, Corey. Now, you know me, Todd Toback, the truth teller, right? Yeah. yeah, it's brutal. Come on now, right? It is, it, it, it is. Cold calling is brutal. Text, uh, uh, texting is brutal. Uh, direct mail is, quote unquote, brutal. Uh, but guess what? We're still doing deals, right? We are still doing deals. So the market, sure, is it is it saturated? Well, yeah, but so is everything else, right? And so I don't know of many businesses where you could go and spend some time on the phone with your core competency and make 25K for 20 hours worth of work or 10 hours worth of work, right? If you're a solopreneur, right? If you've got a team, you make much more per hour. Here's my recommendation. Go out there cold calling, keep making calls, keep making calls, keep making calls. Give yourself one quarter 
when I mean one quarter, three months of calling people every single day. Set a deadline for yourself, whether it's one hour or two hours a day, right? Out of that time, you should be getting about two to three hours of cold calling. You should at least be getting one to two leads a day, decent leads. And that's if you're cold calling yourself or hiring somebody else. At the end of a week, you're going to have five leads who are possible prospects. At the end of a month, if you work five days a week, you're going to have about 22 real prospects which means out of 22 over a few months, you're definitely going to close two of those, three of those. And if you're doing what I tell you to do, plug no limit selling, uh, no limit sales forward slash backdoor, you're going to do bigger deals and you're going to make 50 and a hundred K, right? And so understand that. Know that it's hard for you. It's hard for everybody else. And no one's going to have the consistency that you're going to have. So if you generate leads every day, and if you're consistent and you don't even have to work eight hours a day, just work three to four hours a day and you'll be killing most people. So I recommend keep cold calling, make sure you got fresh lists, right? Make sure you got good data. Make sure you're following up with the people say, maybe I want, uh, I want to sell and then close them, right? Because if you're, if you're not going to do a cold calling, unless you have a thick, really thick skin and a strong stomach, direct mail probably won't work for you unless you're willing to be patient and spend a lot of money right now. Okay. And you know me, I love direct mail, but if, if you're not making it with cold calling, I'd say, just give it a real good quarter, focus your results and uh, you'll make your money back many, 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 many times over. You know, I'm not doing as much direct mail as you are, but what we, the little bit we are doing, we're seeing an increase in in response rates. Mm -hmm. It's actually encouraging. We did a direct mail for land deals. Letters were averaging about 10% response rate. Now that's that's land. That's completely Mm -hmm. different beast, right? But we did a direct mail campaign to older listings on the MLS. We sent a letter to properties that have been on the MLS over 90 days, and we sent them to the owners. And this was in Southern Michigan. We sent about 770 letters. We got a 3.1% response rate from those letters. And they were click-to-mail letters, nothing even fancy. We would have gotten a higher response rate if we would have done direct mail. I mean, uh, handwritten yellow letters. But we sent this letter and it said on there, Todd, you know, our property management company, So I was doing this through partnership with another local investor. And we said on there, listen, we'd love to buy your house, but we'd like to rent it for a year or so first. Mm. 3% response rate. And just crazy. So I am seeing some response rates going back up with direct mail, but also uh, the small towns for us. And what I'm seeing other people mm. are doing really, direct mail is doing really, really well in small towns. Michael Buckles here says, land is my new QTL income. <laughs> I love that. Got another question here from a Facebook user. I'm not sure who this is, but what would you guys do if you had a lead, but it needs to go to probate? How would you help the potential seller? The house is not in the son's name yet. Oh, this is a good one. Can I take this, Joe? Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Okay. So I talk a lot uh, about this in the no limit sales system is, look, you got to grease the wheels, right? And so you got to get this person in motion. So there's a reason why this person is talking to you. And that's because they're a natural procrastinator, right? We are in the helping people get out of the procrastination business besides the marketing business. But you know, if this person had like an initiative, they wouldn't be talking to you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. They wouldn't be trading their equity right now for some speed and convenience. And so what you have to do is get a great attorney on your team who is willing to get paid on the back end of the deal, right? Basically get paid on a success fee. Hmm. Now, uh, call an attorney and say, look, you know, I want to bring probates to you. I need you to work on them and I need to get paid through the closing for when we sell the property. You're going to call four, four are going to say no. You're going to call the fifth and the fifth is going to say, sure, no problem. I'll do that all day long. Okay. Assume an 80% rejection rate and you'll be great. Find an attorney, say he'll do it. Get the property under contract between you and the seller, right? And say, hey, look, how do we handle the probate? Say, don't worry, our attorney will handle it. We'll pay for it out of the closing and you'll be responsible for it, but, but we'll, we'll get paid on the back end. Get on a contract, grease the wheels, send it over to the attorney. 
and get the wheels moving. While that property is in probate, get a buyer, right? And you're going to have some time. Make sure you get maximum, maximum dollar for this thing. That's the benefit of a probate, right? Get on a contract and then just make your contract subject to your deal closing with a seller and you're good to go. But you got to grease the wheels. You got to get the seller moving. Do not wait until the probate is done. Deals never happen that way. Just get it moving for the seller and you're good to go. That's really good. Really good advice. And again, if people want more information on Todd and how to get that kind of detailed instructions on stuff, go check out no limits sales system.com slash backdoor. No limits sales system.com slash backdoor. It's a good program. Definitely. I've gone through it. Todd's the uh, one of the best in the industry for teaching this stuff, sales, negotiating, being aggressive, going at it. It's really, really good. Go check it out. Todd, thanks so much, man, for being on the show. Anything else you want to say just before we wrap it up? No, uh, Joe, just, you know, you got a great podcast, uh, great idea for this. It was really interesting reflecting, reflecting on this. So if you have any questions, reach out. You can always find us on YouTube or the podcast or just uh, appreciate it. And let's do it again soon. Definitely. And your podcast, again, if, if people are interested, is No limit no Limits Real Estate. Yeah, well, they're better off actually going to, if they don't want to buy the No Limit Sales System, they could take the assessment at nextlevelwholesaling.com. Take the assessment there of where they're at. And that really, really, it's like a you know a quiz. It'll give you a score at the end and it'll tell you kind of where you're at in your journey. You know, uh, you know, so take that and get your score. No, uh, nextlevelwholesaling.com. I'm typing this in here, nextlevelwholesaling.com. How's that? Perfect. Damn, so good at technology. You are good at technology. <laughs> no, it's just typing in. It's just typing in some letters. All right, Todd, thanks again, man. We'll see you guys later. Hey, don't forget, everybody, if you want this mind map and these links that I'm putting in here, the notes, go text the word bad to 313131 or go to slash bad to get the notes and the links and the transcripts and the even the video links and the podcast links to all the other podcasts that we do on the series. We've got about 12 or 13 more. This is going to be really good stuff. If you want Todd's stuff, go to no limits sales system.com slash backdoor. I do have one suggestion that I need you to put on future episodes. Oh. Okay. On the outro, moving on, I want you to play the Michael Jackson outro. <laughs> you know I'm bad. No. <laughs> I probably would have to pay like huge, isn't there like trademark copywriting? St- I don't know. Look, look into it for me, but that would make my day. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jackson's a good role model I want on this show. Uh, all right. I'll catch you later. Thanks, man.